Good afternoon and a very warm welcome and well done for all of you getting past all the marathon runners that are parading along the seafront, creating chaos. Everybody's creating chaos, so well done for coming. It's a lovely sunny afternoon. So uh, we have a really interesting program this afternoon. The topic is really interesting. The guy on the desk is just asking me what the topic is. So I said to him, I read it, the, the topic is change the way you see yourself. And uh, he started to think. And then I said, the second sentence says, when you look in the mirror, what and who are you really looking at? So he's sitting at the desk. Behind him is a big mirror. I said, again, have a look and see what and who you're really looking at. So um, how many of you are here for the, for the first time for uh, one of our talks? A few of you? Okay. Very warm welcome. Some of you come through Meetup. I think some of you come through Meetup. Anyway. Our speaker this afternoon has flown all the way from Paris. Actually, no, he came on Eurostar. Uh, Francois. And uh, Francois' background is uh, he's been uh, a meditator for probably 40-plus years. He doesn't look that old, but he's about 40-plus years. And uh, he he um, he's a member of the Brahma Kumaris. He looks after the um, centers in France. We have quite a few centers in France. He's based in Paris. But Francois has a background and sort of a, a sort of a pull towards science. So science and spirituality are are coming very close together. And I'm sure a lot of you are also interested in these these things because there's lots on that out there in the media. So um, I'm really interested to see what Francois how he's going to present this afternoon. So I'd like to welcome him onto the chair, and um, just to say that he's going to speak for about. 45, 50 minutes, and then we're going to uh, get you to get into little groups and just discuss what he's shared and then come up with a quest some questions for him. So this, I'm just warning you now because you have to pay attention to what he's got to share with us this afternoon. So welcome, Francois, and uh, yeah, enjoy. Good afternoon, et bonjour, bon après-midi. If you speak French, I can switch to French. <laughs> Seems quite, you uh, feel quite comfortable. Okay, yeah, the topic probably you have seen lots of meditation, yoga, so we are very close to that. And of course, the topic is totally related to meditation and to uh, a different view of ourselves. If the, if the topic is uh, how do you see yourself, I think uh, <clears throat> it's not a, it's a some way a strange question because every morning you look yourself in the mirror. So it seems that we don't believe what we see, or we see something. We have a picture there, which is getting older every day, uh, more or less. Maybe you take uh, some French makeup and things look better. But of course, uh, you probably know the saying, at least we have it in French, it said, uh, the eyes are the mirror of the soul. You have the saying in English? So I think we have this this deep or the subtle, or the subconscious knows that it's something behind the eyes, that it's a being behind. And that's, of course, that's the foundation of what everything is connected to meditation. There's the visible and the non-visible, the physic and the metaphysic. And uh, 
of course, when we look your, when we look ourselves in the mirror, probably you did it, and you look in your eyes, in your own eyes, it seems there's a, is a game going on. And behind there, there's a consciousness, there's a being which thinks, a being which has feelings, a being which has emotions. And of course, it's a different being than the one you see, which is only made with, with uh, molecules, if you want to see the two, the two aspects. And I don't think the, the question of today is a new question, because you have been maybe in Greece, you know, if you go to Delphi, in the temple of Delphi, that's 300 years before Christ, on the top of the temple was written, know yourself. Today would say, see yourself. Know yourself and you will know all the secrets of the gods. And I think the question is still today, do we really know ourselves, do we really see ourselves? So the whole thing is how do we perceive ourselves? How do we analyze ourselves? And I think it's an ongoing question because if I've seen the topics here to develop self-esteem, uh, experience your beauty, your self-beauty, your inner beauty, it's still coming back, still coming back. We don't know exactly how our subconscious, how our consciousness is working. And, uh, and of course this is a big could be a big lecture if you want to go deeper in the mechanism of our consciousness. It's something I have been interested for many, many years, and I'm still working on it, to know how how uh, we see, how we react, how we create ourselves or recreate ourselves. And today, more and more I can hear in the, in the corporation, we have to reinvent ourselves. So it seems it's all the time, all the time, the same, the same question coming back. Who are we? How do I see myself? And how do I grow? At the same time, the question is even deeper today because we are in a world which is, as you know, quite chaotic. And, uh, just lately I had a talk and they asked me to, to take up the four stages of evolution of the world around us. We know the world is changing, the world is in transformation, something different. The world is in mutation, and the world is also changing paradigm. And I am in the middle of that, and I try to know who I am. I like to know who to, how do I look like, how do I perceive, perceive myself. So you see, everything is moving. Every nothing looks stable, and we look for stability. We look to be to be wise in some ways. And as I was looking at the topic, I say yes. How do I look myself? Do I look myself with naked eyes or through glasses? And most of the time, we are wearing glasses, and the glasses are even changing colors. And that's the reason it's so difficult to know us or to see us on a more subtle way. And it reminds me <clears throat> when I was in the age of 24, something like that, I was working in France Telecom for many years, and I got a little bit bored. Because in the middle of all these engineers, our conversation were very boring. Not at a technical level, was perfect, but it's, the, the conversation was always about what you do next weekend, what was the movie yesterday? Or what do you eat tomorrow? And when is the next uh, birthday? So we can have some, uh, can have some drinks. So I say, wow, I come out of schools, you know, and I was expecting so much from the world of adults. I thought now we're going to go in the, in the deep stuff, you know, 
and was so superficial, there was nothing there. And uh, after a while, I went to see the director. I said to him, listen, I'm go away for some times. He said, what do you mean? I say, I have, I go around the world. I want to travel. I will take my rucksack. And I want to, I didn't say I want to know myself, to see myself. But I, I think it's time to look for wisdom. It's time to look for something different, which I cannot get in these plates. I don't think in, even in France someone can offer me this. So he was puzzled. He says, you know, if you go away more than six months, I have to fire you. So I said, that's not a problem. We'll see later. And I didn't go away for six months. I went away for six years. So I took my rucksack. I never came back for six years. I, actually, I cut even all connection with, with my family purposely. I told them. So my, my, uh, my ambition was to... I was answering the topic of today. I really to know what's going on inside me. And uh, I knew I would get answers, probably not from the wise people, the, you know, the scholars, probably get the answer maybe from a child or from an old person. And as I was going on, I have seen I was crossing stratas, you know, layers. And uh, the first one, after maybe six, eight months, um, when I was looking at myself through people, because it's interesting, when you look people, you see yourself. And at that time, I was went through Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Nepal, and these places. And of course, the people are different. They live differently. They have different ways of life. And I was looking the people through my culture. I was looking the people through my education system. And I, I understood it's, I have not a, the right glasses. I still wear the Western glasses. So I don't see the people. I see them the way I like to see them. And I want to get naked eyes. I like to see them exactly as they are. And also the question came back to me. If I see the people like this, how do I see myself? So I see the people through my culture, to my education, to the values that I was taught at that time in Europe, in France, and basically my belief system. And I came back to the, the same from Einstein. He says, you know, the people keep saying, I believe what I see. It's very scientific. I believe when I see. And he says, actually, we are all wrong. We see what we believe. And this was so obvious after some times. I was really aware that I was seeing through my eyes, through my glasses, through my belief system. So I was totally, I would say I was wrong. But there were so many screens and colors in front of me and the people. And I said, what to do? How to, to get a read of the past? How to, to, to have a blank? I don't want to be under all these influences. That's what we call today conditioning. I couldn't believe to which extent I was so conditioned. I was still young. And, uh, and this is the first screen in front of our eyes. We believe we see, but we don't see. We see through our conditioning. We see through our past experience, and we see through our education system. And that's so difficult. Like I was, as I was in Asia, I could see the people in India, they're eating with their hands. So I said, they are wrong. In China, they were eating with sticks. For me, it was wrong. 
So there's only one way to eat properly, it's with fork and spoons, you know. So this was the conditioning. Straight away, why the people are so strange? Why they eat with the hands, with the finger? Why they eat with sticks? Why cannot they be normal? So I put everyone in a box, you know. There are normal people and strange people. But I believe I was with the normal ones, you know. So how much I was in a box. But when we are in a box, we put the other people also in a box, no? And it reminded me when I was 20. At that time in France, uh, the, the, the army was still compulsory. So I had to go to the army for one year. And I had, I was surprised by myself. After six months being in a, can you imagine, the army is a total, a different atmosphere, different public, a box, a big box. And uh, looking at the outside world, I came suddenly, I had the, 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 the thought, these people over there, they are, they are not on the right side. Why are they not like me? So I, after six months in the, in the army, I start believing the only way to live is to live like we did. So the army was become the norm. And the people outside, they were not in the norm. See how quick? So it's interesting because the, the people outside, they are feeding us. You know, the army is totally artificial. The army doesn't bring any money to a country. It's, but they are... They're using our energy, our money. So I was on that side and I was having the, the question, why these people are there? Why are they not joining us? See how quick you can be under heavy influence. Like the norm was to be in a box. So as I was traveling, this main question came back, this conditioning, this deep conditioning, and how long it takes to, to clear all that. So I had a little bit the, uh, the idea of the, uh, the artichoke, the artichoke, the, the vegetable. To get to the heart, you have to take the leaves off. So for me, it was the school. Traveling for me was like a school. Actually, in my, in my little books I was writing, I'm in a university of life. And I was seeing if every day I take one leaf off to get to the heart of myself, to see what is exactly there. Take off the conditioning, take off all the teaching you receive. That not, doesn't mean they are wrong, but there should not be a, a, a blockage. There should not be a screen for you to go deeper and to discover yourself. And suddenly I came to another layer. I discovered that I was in, in the middle of my universe because everyone is unique. Everyone is alone, wherever you are. You always have to take your own decision in your life, and as you see, every every religion tells about you came alone, you live alone, you came naked, you go back naked, you know, this, this type of saying. So I, I felt I'm really alone in my own little universe, and I have to deal with it. And I came in front of a new, can you call it the paradigm, I could really clearly see what's my nature, what I believe was my nature, but I could see there was a second nature. We all have two natures. Today I know I would call one is my original one, my true nature, my deep nature, but it's another one, the one I have created. And we have all done it. After a few years, we become someone else. As we grow every year, we are someone else. Our personality is changing, our character is changing, 
and basically our habits are changing. So every day or every year we are another person. And we suddenly start to look at this new person, the one I have created. And we move away. We move away from the original one. And that's what, when you look in the mirror, we have, we, are, we can be puzzled. Because there it's something I feel. It's me, and there's another me. There are two. So we are all a little bit schizophrenic. We are at least two personalities. And we have to deal with it. So that's what I am and what I have, what I have become. And we all are, we know our, the second one. And the second one is not always so friendly or so nice because I can see my habits, I can see my, my anger, I can see my jealousy, I can see whatever all types of things I have built up slowly. And then I saw there's another influence. You know, it's, I told you, it's by layer. It's the world. As I look in the mirror, that's one mirror. When I, when I see myself, the people are another mirror because they are also mirror telling you something without talking. And the mirror, we can be convex or concave. You know, the different mirror. Mirror make you big, another mirror make you small. You know, when you play with this. And in the quantum physics, I don't know how much you're aware, they're very much they are aware there is a big interference between the observer and the object or the thing you're observing. There's a connection. Now we know it's a deep connection. And uh, <clears throat> the way we observe things, we're influencing things. And we're influencing uh, up to your consciousness, the way you look at it. So we don't believe how much we influence things, only the way we look at things. So this is only matter. Even matter is under the influence on our observation. Of course, it's on a very subtle level. But can you imagine when you look people, when you are close to people, work people, how much do we influence people? How much they get our, we call it today, our vibration? How much do people get influenced by our being, by our attitude? So we don't really know, we don't know enough how much my aura, how much my behavior, how much I'm inner being, it's interacting all the time. So when we had the question, how do you see yourself? It's not only how I see myself, how do I see myself with people? Because we are like in a, a big puzzle. You know, the puzzle is a big picture. But I'm a piece of the puzzle. I'm just one piece of the puzzle. And every piece has its own shape, its form. But I belong to this big picture. So I cannot, in one way, I am unique. I'm different. I'm a full piece. So I have to find my identity. But at the same time, I have to fit with the whole. Because everything is holistic or systemic. And we know we are under the law of non-separability. I cannot move away from you. I cannot separate myself from the, from the world or even from the universe. So I have to play in the game. I am involved with everything. I have to match. I have to get in that connection. But this can only happen if I really know myself. I have to know myself, my shape, my depth, my subconscious. I have to know clearly myself to find my proper plates there. And only when I get in these plates, it's like there's a connection with, the, I would call it the DNA 
I have my own DNA, and my DNA is also connected to the big picture. So I can come in resonance. No resonance, you get in tune. This was all the part of my journey. I could see the beginning was to get rid of my conditioning. The second part was to go to my real self, which is not the one I have created with all these habits and all this all the stuff around. And then again I have to to fit in the in the big picture because we belong all to the same thing. And it reminds me about what I was talking about, the world going to crisis, we know. But not about the economic crisis or the ecological crisis. The world goes basically to four main crises. And the first is the identity crisis. It's really what we are talking today. We don't know who we are. We don't know how we function. We don't know exactly what's my shape. And so long I don't know, I, I joined the second crisis. The second crisis is the belonging. We need to belong. We need to belong to a whole. And so long I don't know myself, how can I belong to a group? And why belonging is so important? Because we all we need to interact. We all want to be close to each other. Love is probably the biggest energy which brings us together. But of course, we like to be loved. We like to love. But first of all, it's possible if you know yourself. And that's the reason today so many workshops are going around knowing the self, self-esteem, you know, and loving yourself. And then only you can understand the other. Then you can have a proper relationship. So everything starts with the self. So our big work now, our big job is to know the self, to discover the self in order to get closer to the others. So the belonging is the second part, which is so difficult. If this is not in place, if the third crisis is insecurity. And we know how much there's insecurity in the world. It doesn't come up like this. It's totally connected to the two, the two first ones. And the last one is lack of meaning. Again, the lack of meaning, it's what's the reason? Why are we here? Where are we going? What's the sense? What's the meaning? What's the purpose of all this? And all, all they are all connected. And as I was traveling, all these things came, things came back to me. And I knew everything came back to my, my homework to go deeper and deeper in, in myself. And that's what connects me to meditation. Meditation, it's a tool. It's just a tool. It's not a religion. It's a tool to, to go deeper and to create, create the, the condition, the condition to, to observe. For me, the meditation is a little bit like a, a microscope to see the refined things, but it's also a, a telescope to see the whole, to see the, the big picture. And I just want to show you the little bit what I call the compass, our compass in life. And uh, it's very, it's quite helpful to, to help to position ourselves, because to see yourself is basically to <coughs> to know where you are. So I put myself in the middle of the picture, and you know, a compass, especially here in UK, you're all you're all sailors. So north, south, east, west, and I'm here in the middle. And the first step, which is probably the most difficult, 
So how today is, how do I see myself? What is the relationship with myself? Here's the mirror. But the mirror gives you first uh, an image of, of your body. But more than that, it's not only the body, it's the way I perceive myself. What is my identity? And you can see most of the time, totally onto a type of illusion. We build ourselves and we look, maybe, everyone has this different way to get back to, to give a name to his identity. Some people will look the possessions. You know, some people will look the position. Because today, uh, the work you do, where you live, what you do, it's very important. The other will say, I will look more the uh, my my state of uh, my bank account and so on. That's a part of me. And another would say that's how the neighbor looks at me, like people that's maybe more like my prestige and so on. And uh, <clears throat> and of course my personality, which I have developed, and so on and so. On. We have we have different ways of to look at ourselves, to give identity to ourselves. But that's. That's again, that's again going back to what I have or what I know. But it's not what I am. We're all looking deeply at what I am in order that we like to be. And it's difficult to be so long we are still under the influence of all this. We always believe I exist through this. That's for me the reason how much effort I do to get disconnected by the outside things, and all these things which you can see here don't belong to you. You can lose them at any time. It's just something we add to ourselves to become. It's like a, a, how you call it, a shell we have built around us. But who is in the shell? It's like when you look in your eyes, what is behind your eyes? What is the being there, the being full of life? And this is one of the, the main questions because it comes back to the other one. This could be what we call today the nature or the environment. And these are the other people. Again, how I position myself in front of other people. Again, if I see who I believe my identity is connected to position, uh, position possession, prestige, personality, that basically I put myself in a box. You can say, oh, see, I, uh, I belong to this football team. I belong to this religion, and so on and so on. When I look to other people, I will take the same way of looking at them that the way I look at myself. So I will look others like I look myself, and I put them in a box. What's their position? Where are they living? What is the bank account? What is? And again, I have a total different or wrong view of what the people are. And we know the main thing we we have to look at is who am who am I really, and what are the other people? So it means we have to develop what we call a subtle way to see each other. Uh, some people would say a divine way. So we have to go beyond matter, beyond what everything can attract. Everything can influence our five sense organs. So we need a subtle way to look at things. So we, here we have to develop what some say, a subtle, 
a subtle intellect means we have to develop a new habit to look at each other, not with what we see, what we used to see, what the eyes are giving, but what a subtle, or the, the Buddhists will say, you have to look each other with a third eye. That's a different habit to develop. And now, how do we see the nature? How do we see the environment? Again, if you, if you look today, we have a big crisis in environment. How do we see the nature today? Is the nature just something like in the past? They will look at the environment like oh, the earth, Mother Earth, we call it, like something which is just a gift from God. So the earth was, didn't, didn't belong to me. It was just something I had to look after, yeah, to use it, but to improve it and to give it to my children, to my grandchildren. This was the, the divine way to see the, the planet. It was the religious way to see the planet. Today, if we look at the nature, what are we doing? The nature is like a, a mine. It's like a place where we can take resources, exploit, use it, and becomes also a garbage bin. So we see we have, maybe because our vision of ourselves is not accurate, is not turned towards the subtlety. We don't have the main subtlety towards other people, but to the, towards the nature is exactly the same. Seems we, when we don't look ourselves properly, we don't even respect our universe. We don't respect our environment. And we treat ourselves, the way we treat ourselves, we treat the nature, we treat the other people. You see, the, the, the reason why to have a deep and proper identity of the self, it's very much connected how we, how we relate to the outside world. And everything here, it's based by respect and love. How much do I respect myself? So I have to go beyond physical things. I have to go towards subtle things. That's why we come back to what is meditation. What, what meditation gives me? What glasses do I wear when I do meditate? And I will go back to that. So when we have not the right glasses, we see what we do to the nature. We see what we do to the others. And the last one, of course, what is above here, it's God. So one is connection with me, connection with the nature, connection with, with God. Whoever, which God you believe in, at least you believe maybe in something superior, something which is the architect of the whole, of the whole show. And the, the connection will be, if this one is broken, because my view is very uh, artificial, it's just connected to the outside. If this one is artificial, this one is artificial, probably here I will have a, a very artificial connection or no connection with God. It reminds me when I, I met a friend, actually was also working with me, and he went, after a while, he went to the, <clears throat> to the Alps. He was, he says, I, 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 I take some holidays. Go away. I have to think. So he went to the Alps looking after cows in the mountains. And he was there quite alone, you know, was what the people do. And I went to see him after maybe four months. And I uh, asked him, how are you doing? He said, oh, it's fine here, I'm in silence, everything's perfect, you know, for sometimes, not forever, but sometimes. And I asked him, what did you discover? The fact to be alone, to be disconnected, basically out of influence or out of conditioning. 
He says, I will tell you something which it's going around in my head. He said to me, when I believe, when the human being lost connection with himself, so I was a little bit talking about this, you know, when he lost connection with himself, he invented philosophy. When the man lost connection with his body, he invented medicine. When the man lost connection with the other people, he invented politics. When the man lost connection with the nature, he creates science or he creates you know, ecology. And when he lost connection with God, he invented religions. So it was a little bit showing when we lose the subtlety, the, the, the other dimension, we replace things. And today, uh, being quite involved with the environment, everything comes back to what they call separation. They say today people are separate. They're separate from the environment because 80% of the population today lives in cities. So we are not anymore connected. We are not connected with the environment. We are not connected even with the food we are eating because we get it in the shop. So we don't have much idea where, where it grows and how it grows. So the fact that we are not connected means we don't know how to position ourselves. And not position ourselves, but we don't know anymore to, to come in relationship with things. And I can... Before I go more deeper in what we discover through meditation and what meditation becomes a tool, I want to show you something. Probably you will recognize yourself in the way we, I don't know if you can see, the way we grow and the way we perceive ourselves. It's a very simple example, but I quite like to use it. It's for you, it's for everything. As we know, everything starts small. Everything starts like like a seed. Before a tree is a seed. Even uh, a man is a little embryo in the beginning. So everything starts with one or two or three cells. Everything gets, it starts very small. So I can, I can see myself like this. There was a moment I was probably a seed, something extremely small. Probably invisible, maybe underground. So it's a seed. And when, you, when the seed is in a good condition, it starts growing. And first, what the seed does is, is produce roots. The way we were looking at it, the roots are totally connected to the DNA of the seed. The seed is essenceful. Everything is in a seed. Nothing is extra after the expansion comes. So deeply, if we look on the subtle part of the seed, or I would say the metaphysical part, or the spiritual part, which is in every human being, everyone has these five main roots. Everyone is looking for peace. And I will come back what we mean by peace. Peace is totally different than believing the situation beyond fighting war. Peace is much, much deeper. Everyone looks looking for happiness, of course. We all look for love. We all look for authenticity, purity. We look for truth in some ways. Because truth is somewhere. That's the reason we look at ourselves. We want to know what's reality. What is the truth? And uh, peace, love, happiness, and, joy. and uh, what else is missing? And power. We need power. We need energy. Because life 
It's the foundation. We are here to live. A seed has to be alive. And to be alive, you, you need energy. Energy is connected to power. So as we, the seed starts growing, it comes out from the, how could say, the, the darkness, comes out from the, the invisible, and it becomes a tree. And we all became a tree. That's our, it's basically, I would call it, that's our creation. We all became a tree. That's the aim of any type of seed. So here we are. We're all different. Seeds are different. And we have a way to express ourselves. We have a way to become a tree. And we are quite proud about, about our tree. We are proud because it's giving fruits. And here we have nice fruits everywhere. And we can call this, my life is successful. It's successful because I am, I am bearing fruits. <coughs> but now everyone can, you can look, what are the main branches of your creation? Yeah, here's the creator. It's not God, it's you. And that is your creation. That's the aim of life. Creation here, that's one big branch, can be a place where we are quite often. It's your, your working place, where you work. That's your, that's your family. That's where you come back in the evening. That's your family. It's one big branch. So then after can be maybe it's uh, your philosophical part, your religion, whatever. This can be your sport or your activities, your entertainments and so on. So we have branches. And if you look at your creation, you can say it's healthy. It's good. I have, tr I have fruits. I'm quite proud of my tree. <coughs> but the question here comes, where are you? What do you do the whole day? Where are you the whole day? Basically, you jump from one branch to the next, no? You go here, go back, and so on. So basically, we are busy in our tree to jump from one branch to the other, a little bit like a monkey would do. So we are jumping in our own creation. But there, there starts the problem. Because going from one to the next, 24 hours being very busy, we don't get what we need. Because we are all looking for something. Why we don't get what we need? Because we are looking for the foundation. We look for peace, for love, for purity. We look for powerful stuff, which is a symbol of life. And what we do, we try to find peace, love, happiness in the tree. We are looking for the DNA of the soul. We look for the foundation of our needs. I would say that's the food of our, the food of the soul or the food of the, your spiritual being. So we try maybe to look for power in your job. You look for love, of course, in your family. You look for, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know what you can look for. That is it in your sport, but you never get it. You never get it because here it's full of people. And the people can give you what they have, but they cannot give you everything. And you cannot pretend we're expecting that the tree will give you the answer, will give you what you need. It's never going to work, and we become beggars. We are begging from our own creation. We believe the creation is going to feed us, and that it's never working. And that's the reason silence or meditation or it's to actually what we have to do is to go back, to do this voyage, uh, to do this and to go back to the self, 
because that's the only place, the only place where you are reconnect, the only place you get in tune with what we're looking for, for our reality. And that's the only place where we get power, because it's silence. In immobility, we get power. And once you are there, even if it's only three minutes, suddenly you touch what I can call, you touch a truth, you touch something authentic. When you come back, because we are not there all the time, when we come back to what is life, to our creation, we have a total different position. We are not anymore expecting from the tree, because we know the source is here. We know the power is here. When you come back, we are not, you don't come back as a beggar. We come back as someone who's ready to share. So we are very much more open to listen, to understand, to be much more tolerant. And we accept that nothing is perfect here. And it's never going to be perfect. But that's not a problem. The main thing, when I come here, I feel satisfied. I fulfill myself. And then it's much easier to serve. So I'm not here as a beggar. I'm here serving. And I served my own creation. And I won't be affected by it. So that's the main step which I discovered when I was traveling. It's just to become an observer. An observer, and even more than that, to become detached. To be a detached observer, that means we don't interfere. You take just an attitude and you watch the whole game. At the best, you watch even yourself. And even better, we laugh about ourselves. Don't be too serious with yourself. So being, becoming an observer, you, we are not affected. And uh, we are in a better position to evaluate, in a better position to see what can be done, and to know where are the sources, where is the energy. And when you become uh, an observer, an observer, it's, it's a comfortable situation, a comfortable position, because first you are detached and you know you cannot uh, what we call, we cannot um, uh, design the the scenario of the other people, because so much, so much, much, uh, much of our time, we are observer, we are involved, but involved but never detached. We are always trying to, in some ways, to correct. It's some ways to influence. Some ways to have always the question, why Why does this? Why this? Shouldn't be like that. Uh, you know? And that's, don't realize that's just waste of time, waste of energy, and you move away from yourself. That's what we call, we are designing the scenario of the other people. We want like a, like a director of a movie. I tell you what you have to do. I have nothing to tell you. I don't know you. I have to respect you. I have to love you. And if I don't try to design your script, I will love you more. Because when you, always we see always defect in people. We always believe it should do like that. It should be like that, you know? And taking this position as judgment, we cannot connect to them. You know, we create a wall. It's like, I know, you don't know. You should do this. Don't you listen to me? And because we are not detached observer, and we believe we have the right, we believe we have the right to interfere. 
we have the right to interfere. We, we like we know the whole scenario. We know the whole game. That's never we know the game, and it's already so difficult to know my own scenario. And that's one of probably the best way when we don't interfere, become observer. Not only you observe what's going around, but we can become what the wise man is doing. The wise man never interferes. He knows that he doesn't know. But also the wise man, he knows that he has to be always very open. He, has, he knows that everything comes to him by signals. So he doesn't know what he's going to do tomorrow or after tomorrow, but today the wise man knows listen, listen what's going to go, listen the message. So the message will come because life, nothing happens out of random. Everything has a meaning. So as we go through life, is it today or tomorrow or whatever, instead to be blind, instead to go for the information, what it's our old habit. We have been in a school where we were feeding, feeding, feeding with information, education system. Why not? We stop this and now I'm open to listen. And we have all our own part. I don't know what's your part. I have my road. It's not a highway. Never go straight. Ups and down. And every curve, every, every little obstacle has a meaning. Everything has something to do with me. And I really trust life. I experienced a thousand times. Life is a school. Life is, especially if you agree with it. It's like I sign a subtle contract with life, with God, whoever. But I sign the contract that says, I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to learn, I'm ready to, to change. And in your life, always on your path, the right thing comes at the right moment. That's a little bit definition of a wise man, you know? He does the right thing at the right moment with the right people in the right consciousness. Why not, instead to jump to things, be quiet, be observer, do your, do your, do your day, you have to, we have to work, we have to do our things, but just be more alert of what comes to me. What message come to me? And maybe the people who are connected to you, maybe the child who meets you in the morning, maybe what happened in the bus when you go at work, everything has a little meaning. Probably they are teaching you something. They are showing you something. Because I believe everything is, is a whole. And everyone is sending messages to everyone. So I believe our the way we grow, the way we transform, the way we should see ourselves, it's much more how we open ourselves to the different messengers. And, and then I, I move. I have seen many times in my, when I was traveling, I got more lessons by a fisherman, by a farmer, and by little babies than by people. I mean people. Because they, they were more pure. They were more authentic. They were spontaneous. And they told me straight away, why you do that? Why you behave like that? You know, because they, they had no, nothing in the back of their mind. And, and I knew, of course, the ego is not very happy. Because they, the target, you know, the, the arrow goes straight. In the, but I knew they are right. I knew I have to change something. I knew my way to see, to look, it's not accurate. So the, the lesson, it's, it's around us. It's around us. 
And what meditation helps us to do is basically around here, I'm just looking at the time, because this plate is out of, of life. Here's life, here's wind, here's the sun, here's things are moving, full life. Here everything, it's underground, it's silence. And meditation takes us out from here, it brings us here. And in this area, everything becomes silence, and for me, the first step is that everything goes back to peace. It took me 20 years to understand what means peace, 20 years. For me, peace today, it's just to go back to your own frequency. I don't know if it makes a meaning for you. Everything, everything around us is vibrating. Every molecule, every atom, everything has a vibration. Everything which is alive vibrates. We also vibrate. Peace means you get, we go in tune with our own vibration. We get in tune with our frequency. Or to make it more artistic, our rhythm. We have a rhythm. It's only when we are in tune with our rhythm, we feel good. We feel satisfied. And probably, maybe, I don't know when you were deep in peace last time, remember? When you are really touching your frequency, when you are in rhythm with yourself, when you are really peaceful, you have no desire. No desire. You need nothing. Because if I'm sitting here or somewhere else, you feel so satisfied, so content. It's something we forgot. We don't know anymore what means to be content or to be satisfied. We always believe, I will be satisfied if I have this, 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 or content. Absolutely. You never will get content here. Never one of these branches will bring you what you need. It's, it's here. It's in us. So it's an art to be satisfied. It's an art to be content. For me, it's the art of living. How to go back to when you reach the stage which I need nothing, no desire. And that's the first step. When you stay a state of contentment, satisfaction, no desire, you can really sit. You stop consuming. Make sense for you? Stop consuming a world where nature is dying. No, the environment is dying because we consume too much. We are destroying our planet because we are over-consuming. And maybe we lost the essence. Coming back to this peace, this contentment, no desire, no consuming. Suddenly everything becomes quiet. Quiet and immobile. You know? Still, nothing moves. And when nothing moves, you know, you come to a phase of immobility. Silence, immobility. And you go beyond time. That was my discovery. When you come on a step where nothing moves around you, you, you lose track of time. Because the time is connected to movement. Time, it doesn't exist really. We have created. The perception of time, it's we create because we are moving. Another time, I give you another lecture will be what is exactly time, how it works. A time, of course, is connected to consciousness. When you are waiting your bus in the rain, in the cold, time is very long, no? And when you are in a comfortable place, time is different. We perceive time on a different level. A time is connected to velocity, to speed. And have you noticed everything goes faster and faster, and we have less, less time. 
So the clock has the same speed, but the way we perceive. So you see, everything is perception. Everything is perception. That's the reason when you look yourself in a mirror, you look yourself deeply. It's not only not only the uh, image, it's the time, space and time, it's connection, vibration, everything comes in play. So it's not as simple in some ways. But for me, the main aspect is here. To see the self is not here. You have to go where there's nothing to see. To see yourself, you have to go where there's stillness, where you are not under the pressure of time, where you are not under any type of influence from the outside. And we discover what is, what is consciousness, who I am really, what is the, the, we'd say the seed, what's the essence of the, of the, of the self. And we all have the same essence. We all have this. We are different, we are all different, but we have at least all the same uh, needs. And we have the same qualities. But then as we grow, everything gets different because we lose track. You see, meditation helps us to rebuild our identity, true identity, and to come back here. Not the identity which we saw before, which is totally under the influence of the outside world. And so long we don't do this journey back in silence, the journey back in the self, we don't know how to deal properly with the outside world. So you see the reason today uh, more and more people look for meditation or maybe look for silence or look for... Because it's a need. It's a need. We need, you know, everything is, everything works in balance. There's a time to work, there's a time to sleep, there's a time to, to express yourself, there's a time to be quiet, there's a time to give, there's a time to, to gather things, there's a time to silence. I think that's the next lesson in the world today, which is so much changing. It's such an evolution and a paradigm shift. Because we have to see things on a different angle. So maybe the main game today is out of the move away from the life, which is full agitation, full chaos even, and to go back to what is steady. More we get power here, more we can give power back here. And that's the only way to bring again, again some, uh, some equilibrium on that level. I watch the time. Linda, what we what we do more, less, or for the moment, it's enough uh, information. We can we can go further if you like. No problem. Not right this minute. We're just going to give them a few minutes break so okay. that they can digest because there's lots, huh? Lots. So we give you a few minutes break as well. So it's a nice time to get together with a few people. Not too big a group, but it's nice sometimes to mix with somebody you don't know. Um, and then just share what you've taken from what Francois said so far and see if each group comes up with one question. One question. Yeah, so... Minimum is three in a group, but don't go too big because then it doesn't give everybody a chance to speak. And that's the idea of this. So the question has to be written down and you have to agree all together what the question is. So go for it. Pens and paper are coming right now.
Om Shanti. So if you'd like to just come back so that you're sitting comfortably. So this is, uh, what do we call this? What's this? Is it mastermind? Something like this? This kind of, somebody sits on the hot seat? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Something Look, like that. It looks like that, yeah. Yeah. So it's good. It's amazing how each group has got something different, has come up with a different question. So you ready? So the first one says, so why do we sabotage ourselves when something in us tells us we have a purpose? And the second little part to the question is, we know meditation can assist, but how to navigate through the different levels of energy and consciousness? See, we're very deep in Brighton. <laughs> I, I try to understand the same question, navigate different consciousness. What, what do you mean by a level of consciousness, level of awareness, level of... We know there's more to life than more, what we're actually doing, but actually being aware of the consciousness and how to utilize it, how we know meditation can assist, yeah. but it's... You know, it's quite a minefield to go into and deal with, so we're just looking for a bit more clarification. Yeah. But meditation is, again, I would say, is a tool, huh? is a tool. And uh, <clears throat> when you, I think many have, do meditation or try to meditate or start to meditate, what's the first step? You see that we use first our mind, our thoughts. And uh, our mind is our best friend, is also our worst enemy. So we have to know, we have to use our thought energy, our mental energy, and it's, all, it's probably the energy which is the most polluted. It's the most polluted, and it's probably the, the energy we are not mastering, not controlling. I remember when I went actually to India, I was sitting in a chai shop, you know, the tea shops, and uh, there was an old man sitting not far from me. Was watch I, I knew that he was watching me. And he suddenly came to me and said, you know, you, you guys from the West, you have learned everything in school, but you don't never learn how to think. So it was the first time I heard someone saying, you never learn to think. I didn't know we can learn thinking. I thought it's automatic. So meditation is very much connected to, to how I use mental energy. And uh, it's not stopping thinking, it's impossible. I would say think less, but reflect more. Less energy talking, thinking, more in, in the other side, the, the intellect side, the, the wisdom. The best meditation is actually when you get to the seed stage. It's when actually the thoughts get so focused that they look to stop. But instead to be in, in the field of thinking, you are in the field of being there. It's, everything becomes static, but you are in the experience. Because meditation, the, the, the basic of meditation is to go into an experience. That's what life is. Life is, we are all running after experience. Why are we jumping from one branch to the next? What is life? We go for we go from one experience to the next. Look, children, when they play, they're not static. They go from one toy to the next toy, and so on and so on, because that's life. They want to experience every second. As an adult, we don't play with toys, but we we play with our thoughts. The thoughts take us always to like desires. They, we travel around to get to something which brings gives the income. 
a meditation would be to have experience without going in the consuming side, without going to the whole uh, I say avenue of moving, we can have deep experience just being. And this connects us to our roots, connects us to what is, what is the reservoir we all have, and just bring them alive. Often I see meditation like a flash lamp, you know, a lamp. It's like you are totally in the dark, and you use a lamp, and where the spot goes, things get alive. So in our in ourselves, maybe that's what you call it, level of consciousness. When you we can be totally in darkness. Sometimes nothing happens, no experience. You can get, be, can be even very bored with yourself. When you switch switch on the light and you look and you see so many jewels, beauty in us, keep the light on that spot, the spot on light on that, and give it energy, bring it alive. So it's a whole way to to wake up uh, parts of our deep inner potential. We have so much potential, but it's in the darkness, it's asleep, we don't use it. And it's not the outside world is going to make it alive. We have to put the flashlight on it. We have to light, and light gives, not only wakes up, but gives energy and empowers. So we can really empower ourselves being sitting and just driving your toes like a laser beam goes to to uh, areas of our inner being. I don't know if this is if I can help you. Mm. So connecting with that question, this question is uh, about meditation, um, and and the first part maybe you've answered. How how do you use meditation to connect with people? Sorry, not people. With peace, power, happiness, authenticity, and love. But the part maybe you you could follow up with is: Do you have a routine? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> routine again. Routine is a killer, or it's helping you. Routine is needed, like any any sportsman uh, practice his sport every day, especially if he wants to go in competition. So practicing routine meditation, yes, is necessary because you have to discipline your your mind. You have to discipline yourself, basically. <laughs> But the routine can also help you to fall asleep. You know, routine, some people go to church every Sunday, but if the awareness is not there, it has no power. You know, so routine is okay if it has a meaning. So, of course, like a sport, like repetition, what can be the, the, the method? Or what? First of all, the, the first step in meditation, you know, we are connected with five sense organs. You know, we have five sense organs. They on ongoing all the time. They are sending messages and they receive messages. You know, we are receiver, regular radio. We are sending messages and we receive messages. When we meditate, we have to close a few a few channels. We don't want to get everything. So the first step will be to keep the the body, because he is connected to the five sense organs, to keep the body quiet, and to bring much more awareness here, much more awareness on the level of your conscious. And then again, what? Where do you want to go? What is the the, the topic of your meditation? What experience you want to do? So we have to target something. You cannot go blank and wait. 
So if you want to go to peace, which is probably for me the first, um, the first thing I can call it, of experience, peace is is for me the foundation, because when we get, when we touch peace, all the other qualities or the other values are coming up. Because when you are not in, pure, in peace, means you are agitated, you are shaken, you are not stable. It's not possible to have an operation on yourself when you're not stable, because it looks like an operation. So peace will be the first step. And what I say, peace is not only, uh, it's, it's, it's calm, no noise. No, no, peace is much, much deeper. So peace, it's first to take it as you like, or put some, some words, because we have to find your own vocabulary. And for me, peace is resonance. Peace is rhythm. Peace, it's connect to your frequency. So try to, to feel good with yourself. Try to feel satisfied with yourself. And try to be content. And, uh, there will be one, one, uh, one thing I practice. I often ask people to do it. When you wake up in the morning, basically when you wake up, we look around and the first question comes. Without on the subtle level, you don't even know that you have the question. You look around you, what's going on? What's going on? Radio? News? What's the weather? What's going, what's going on? And basically after, so how do I feel? But that's already too late. Because how do you feel is already connected to what's going on. So try from now on, if this will be your, the gift for this afternoon will be a good gift if you practice it. When you get up in the morning, don't go to what's going on. First, how do I feel? Always bring things back to yourself. How do I feel? And make a list as you are working together. There's no reason that you feel bad. How do I feel? I'm okay. Life is beautiful. Even it's a bit raining, but that's life. Uh, do I have so many worries in my life? No. Then you can see everything which is positive in your life. And you can see how you feel. Yeah, I feel good. I feel fine. I'm not handicapped. I'm not this. I'm not that. And after, after you can say, now what's going on? Whatever goes on, it's not your business because you become observer. First, you align yourself. That's so funda it's foundation now. To align yourself, as we say often, thoughts, world, and actions. But align yourself with I would say with your, in India they have a nice word, they said your dharma, means align yourself with your values, align yourself with your, your own beliefs. I think you're all little bit philosopher, you all have think, thought about what's the value of life, why I'm here, what's the reason. So we have to develop uh, a way to give value to our life to give a meaning to our life, to make our life beautiful. Because the outside world is not doing it for us. Have you noticed? The outside world don't tell us life is beautiful. It does the opposite all the time. News, everything. They want to bring us in a chaotic mood. There's a reason for it. But why should we accept? Why should we go to the French Riviera to say, oh, it's beautiful? You don't have to go down to France. You don't have to be in holidays to say, that's life. That's a whole concept. We believe life is good only Saturday, Sunday. 
with the evening, you know? At the other time, life is busy. Life is work. Life is... It's so wrong. It's so wrong. So we have to rephrase it and to rethink and to revalue our life. I like what the Dalai Lama said when he came to Paris. He said, when I watch the people, they live like they would never die. But when they die, actually they have not been alive. You know, like robots. And we should get out of this. This It's a culture. It has become a culture. We don't have time in the evening to sit and to watch the sunset. We don't do this anymore. So many simple things we don't do anymore. Because... Because we have an excuse, life is complicated, we have lots of things to do, and this and this. But we, how someone says, we lose our time to live our life. We lose our life to live our life, you know, something like that. We should go back to the essence. What is actually the value of life? Don't die and miss your life. You know, that would be the... And then, that's a very good step to go to meditation. Meditation cannot be something artificial. It has to be built in something we have created, a foundation. It has to make sense. And try to think, what's the beauty? Life tomorrow, is, at least it's good. You know? I don't say program yourself, don't condition yourself, but give a deep meaning of your, the value of your life. You've got 15 more questions <laughs> and 10 minutes to answer them. So this question is uh, about vibrations and frequency. How do we know what our own vibrational frequency is? And somebody else has asked a similar question. How do we know how we are vibrating? So how do we, what's the gauge for that? Yes, you know, you, all, you, have, you know what frequency is. You know what, what the... Yeah, everything is vibration. And you have all been in a hospital somewhere, you have all seen this, no? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what they call it, the wave electromagnetic. But when we think, now it's very clear, when we think, we, we produce something which looks like that. And they, notice, they, they know now with, with the machines, we can see when you have a thought like peace, love, happiness, or you, you feel good. Your wave looks like that. If you are stressed or in anger, or you, it's more like this, you know. So what we have to know, the amplitude is much bigger. It's more agitated. But that type of wavelength, it's much more powerful than that one, always. So that's one, one uh, I would say, weapon we have. When you get, sometimes we get a bit nervous, we get a bit angry, we get, try to, straight away, try to formulate, because you are the creator of your thoughts, something like this. You take a, you choose your thought of peace, of love, of beauty, something, it will suddenly destroy this one. And when you have to deal with someone who is in anger, who is angry, if you become angry, you know what happens, it's doubled. Our game is to try to be quiet, try to be gentle, try to be at peace. Try. You know that he will give, because we know by laws, this type of vibration always overcome this type of vibration. So we have to know a little bit the rules of vibration. And any vibration produce a magnetic field, you know, like electricity. Any electromagnetic wave produce a magnetic field. 
We won't call this a magnetic field. But what do we call? We create an atmosphere. We create something. You know, when people are together and when they have good thoughts, when they are joyful, you feel in the room a nice atmosphere. If people are angry, you know what it looks like in the room. Even when they leave the room, you still feel the agitation. So we have to know we create wavelength and we create also um, uh, an atmosphere. So meditation works when it's in this. Meditating in this type of uh, magnetic field doesn't work. You are in a, in a field of agitation. So f to improve your, your meditation, you have to come back to something like that. Can be on, you meditate on purity, you meditate on beauty, you meditate on love. You choose. It's better you choose your topic. And some days you feel more to this than this one. This creates the, the foundation. So what was the question again about the vibration? <laughs> Uh, it was the answer? Okay. Okay. So this is more about um, detached observer. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So um, this one says, how do you make decisions as a detached observer that is not influenced by fear? And, and the second one, maybe you can weave in because it's slightly connected. How do we fulfill our responsibilities without losing ourselves? So they're not... So how do I make? How do you make decisions as a detached observer that's not influenced by fear? I mean, to be that, to be observer already, you, you it's the best way to take decision because the definition of, of detached observer means to be out of influence. It's it's not to be affected by by what's what's going on. That's the main. That's why we try to be detached observer. You take you know take distance. You fly above it, and you watch what's going on. It's like when you go and when you go to the theater, you see the the actors on the stage, and uh, they're not all the time on the stage. Sometimes they they go to the backstage. That's what I call observer, detached observer. You are not here in the in the drama. You just go back, but you're not dead. You are still there, and you come back again when it's the right moment. So the detached observer is not affected by what's going on. He just take a distance. And fear, first of all, what is fear? When is fear coming? When do we fear? It's it's something which we developed when we go in the field of not only unknown, but the field where you are not dealing with truth. And one one part where you develop fear, especially on the way of identification, when we build when we build our image when we build our identity of something which is not real, or something which I am not. In the same way, if you believe or you want, it's some way like, it's connected to ego anyway. It's like you want to exist or you want to be like, because I have a BMW or because I have a big position or because I do this or I do that. You build your personality around something which doesn't belong to you. Something we can you can lose at any time, and automatically this will create fear, because the subconscious knows perfectly that you are cheating. You are cheating means you are not authentic. You are building your personality. You are building something on on uh, on supports 
which are not real, not real. And you know that anyone can destroy it. That's the reason, look, children, people who have no fear, usually they are in some ways quite pure, quite innocent. They have nothing to hide, they have nothing to prove, they are open. Open like so. Why to fear something? Because you have nothing to to hide yourself. So that's the whole topic of ego. You all know a little bit ego. Ego is just a wall which I build, a fortress, and hide myself behind. But the fortress is just paper. Can never protect you. We believe we can hide ourselves behind a fortress. And a fortress can be anything. And a fortress can be a wrong image I give to myself, a wrong belief I give to the other people. You know, I try to hide myself, my true self. So that's the first part of fear. The second part of fear, we know, we know we are. You know, when I was talking about our second nature, we all have developed a second nature which often is not so nice to to show to everybody, because we know what we have in our second nature. We know that there are some vices, there's some anger, there's some jealousy, there's some, that's all what we have accumulated in our lifespan. And uh, of course, we don't want to open this to public. And of course, creates fear because we know, our subcultures know we are not so pure. In some ways, can talk about purity, about, it's, it's a parasite. Understand the word parasite? We have parasites in our, in our being, in our character, which we have created. At least we have allowed them to come in and we keep feeding them. And this creates fear. So this one is um, connecting with uh, the seed. So coming from the seed. So how do we uh, balance that with our desires? Because you said about being free from desires yeah. was above the, the tree. So it, it's like bringing that peace that's underneath connected with the sea through. How do you, you know, because sometimes if you have no desires, it's, it feels quite passive. So what do you, maybe clarify what do you mean by desires? Yeah, no. Desire doesn't mean ambition, or doesn't mean, uh, I would say, pure desire. Not desire are basically when you are not in uh, satisfied with yourself. When you when you when we don't feed ourselves on the on the when you look the seed, I don't know if it's there. <coughs> it's like food. The body needs food. The body needs uh, food, but it balances. If you have only one type of food, you know, we need all the vitamins, we need everything. And when we don't nourish yourself, you, you create a carence, you create a disease. The soul or our spiritual, spiritual being, in the same way, needs all type of food. And uh, when we when we are not balancing our life, when we don't give the right thing, we create lacking. We say carence in French. I don't know what's the name. And uh, <coughs> and the desire comes when something is missing. When something is missing, so we try to replace it always. Like if your body has not enough uh, vitamin C or something, it's going to look for it. So it's not natural. And in the same way, when, of course, on the spiritual level, things are different. When we are, for me, I, I always start with peace. When we are not 
uh, in tune with ourselves, we don't feel satisfied, don't feel content, means we, we don't need to consume to be content. That's a wrong concept. We can be, in the morning you can get up and be okay, be fine. And because we are not satisfied, we believe I have to consume. I have to do something. I have to talk to someone. I have to be, to be, uh, maybe I need some affection or I need someone who uh, looks at me and someone who gives me uh, a nice smile, you know. Try to connect desire with to become a beggar. How many times in a day you become a beggar? Means you expect from the outside something to be in balance. You, you, you know this happens many, many times in a day. It's like when you are hungry, you need, you need to eat. But how many times in a day, try to sit there, you see, I'm fine, I need nothing. Most of the time, look your mind. The mind is searching all the time. Maybe there I can have something. I may need this. Maybe I have to talk to that person. I have to. Some quick, quick, quick. Why they do it so much? Why? I need satisfaction. I need something from someone who tells me, basically, I'm here, or I love you, or I think of you. That's or I feel better. We don't realize how much we are begging. We don't realize. Means there's an emptiness creating us, and no one can feel this emptiness. So the the the, the SMS might help a little bit for a few minutes, but then you need another one. It's our responsibility to to fulfill ourselves on the spiritual level. And it's based on that. Okay. So, um, um, so uh, anyway, that's answered the question, but that wasn't my question. But there's, uh, there's, there's this question here. What is the difference? Uh, the, uh, what is the difference? What's the line between helping and interfering? Helping? And interfering. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a big difference. Of course, we have to, to, to have to respect each other, to love each other, or that's the big story. Interfering, it's more you, you go the business of someone else. That's, we, we, I have not any business with all of you. I'm not correcting you. I have not to, even to give another advice. You have almost to ask before if you can do it. But helping, of course. It's the, it's the aim of, of life. We are here to support each other, to help each other. That means we, we, I mean, the best way we, we can help is to inspire. To inspire, it's to be what you are. More a person is aligned. More a person is in tune with itself. It's connected itself. More that person is going to attract. Because everyone will feel. Everyone feels the vibration. Everyone feels if someone it's, it's connected. If someone has found the way to fulfill itself. You know, we are all magnets. All. We are all magnets. And uh, a magnet attracts or a magnet repels. And we prefer to attract, no? And we attract if our way of thinking, the, I mean, the majority of our way of thinking, it's positive. If our way of thinking is mostly positive, we become attracting. And we have probably, you know, maybe it happens to you, that sometimes you are really going for one to the next negative way of thinking, you know? And you go to the dark side, and people move away from you because you repulse. And of course, it's exactly the opposite we want. We want to be loved. We want to be close. And uh, interfering 
if you happens to us, you see someone which is in a bad um, habit is destroying himself. You are talking about sabotage. Of course, we sabotage ourselves very easily. So if we feel that someone is going to this trap, if we feel someone, especially today, the main disease is negativity, because we feel a comfort to be negativity, because negativity doesn't cost much. It's very easy to be negative. And from negativity, it's easy to blame. Easy to blame. Because when you blame, you feel sometimes better, you say, I know. And when you blame, the problem is, negative, you blame, and then you become a victim. That's the, that's the, the, the pattern, you know? Negative, criticize, blaming, and you become victim. At least you believe you are a victim of the whole thing you have put up. And when you become victim, you have an excuse to be, to be not happy. You have an excuse to be not too good. Because you are a victim. Means you are a victim from the system, you are a victim from the government, you are a victim for the taxation, you are a victim for everybody. And then you, somewhere you feel good to be a victim. You know what, how many people you have seen? Complaisance. I don't know. You are happy to be victim. But the next step is depression. That's the problem. The next step is depression. So when you have people around you, you can feel they have been nourishing the negativity. That's weakness. And then you feel them easy in criticizing, easy in blaming. It's good to help them. It's good to say, be careful, be careful. Next time you are a victim. So if it's a friend, you can talk to him. But if it's someone you don't know, it's an art. It's a total art today to, to connect to people. Okay, because, because the people first, we are basically quite weak on a spiritual level. We don't have so much power. And uh, the ego is sustaining us. You know, as we become weak, that's the human trait. As we become weak spiritually, what I say spiritually means inner self, the power. When we lose power, we develop ego. Ego is the anti, is the anti drug against weaknesses. So we develop ego to, at least to look good. But ego is a poison. So when we meet someone and you try to help him, of course you are going to touch the ego. You are touching his artificial protection. So it's very dangerous today to speak to people because you hurt them. And our game is not to hurt people, it's to get close to them, to give them uh, love. To give them. So today it's not easy to deal with people. That's why they developed so much the new, uh, you know, the non-violent communication. You hear about it? It's almost to ask permission to the person to say, you said that, or when you say this, that's how I feel. Uh, because I feel this, can I ask you something? Uh, can I ask you, is it okay? Uh, you know, it's a whole negotiation going on now. It's very difficult to, to be direct, because direct is often too direct. Of course we want to help each other, but if it's not done with art, it's like, why well, you come to talk to me? It's not your business, you know? You're interfering in my life, private. It's true, it's private. But again, we are we're human. We want to help each other. We want to... And it's today, we are in a very tricky moment because people are really, what's the name? Fragile and, and sensitive. sensitive, or you know, you touch a little bit, and usually they don't accept very much what you're doing. And you come as someone who is really open heart, and so the smile has a lot to do. 
your pure intention has a lot to do, your love, if they feel you are really, you don't have a hidden agenda, then they open. Or if it's a friend, you know how it goes. But it's today, it's, it's a big thing. And again, meditation. Because the vibration can do the job. Before you go to, to speaking, before you go to acting, maybe, maybe to create the atmosphere, create the power and what you are. So you don't talk, but they, they, they feel. Because we are, we are very, we, we, we know what vibration is. Every human being catch vibration. So it's another way to heal. It's another way to communicate. When it's very, when you know, when it's really tense, or even in your family, sometimes you come to a point that we call it standby. You know the standby moment with someone? What they call it no deal. No deal. Means whatever you say is going to be wrong anyway. So you say no deal. And we want win-win, no? And sometimes that's no deal. So it's your attitude, it's your silence, it's your vibration, which is going to be the first step to come to communication. So I think that really leads us into uh, some meditation. But you've got uh, about seven seconds to answer this last question. And uh, the last question is, what is your source of wisdom? Seven seconds. Second, second. I, as I said, the first, the first part of my life, I think I took my life like a, 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 a life or experience. I was look, I was looking for. So I was looking for everything. I was open to any philosophy, any religion, to any, any wisdom which could come to me. And uh, one day, I, I came across uh, this school. Brahma Kumari was in Sydney, actually. It was in Australia. And why this school, not another school? Only the, the foundation, the, the knowledge, the basic knowledge of this school resonate with me, resonate with something uh, I already thought about. So I, you, actually, we don't learn. We don't learn. I think we really learn, or we like to hear something which already we thought about. You know this this feeling? And that what happened when I came across this the, the meditation of the Brahma Kumaris. The, the knowledge was not new; was something which I say I know. It's like that, and then step by step, this uh, this this school helped me a lot. Yeah. So my wisdom, most of my wisdom comes from here. So it's not they say I preach for my for my church. It's for I think everyone has his own sensibility, but this one works for me. Seven seconds. <laughs> okay. So now we will Fifteen minutes meditation. Oh, beautiful. I think we're going to have some music. <clears throat> so first, make sure that uh, you don't feel any tension for your body, because we are not going to meditate with our body, we're going to meditate with our, call it consciousness, building energy. Basically, that's you. And of course, as I say, we are going to use our mind. But the mind is like a horse. The mind can race. 
and actually racing a lot and jumping from one place to another. So what this horse getting quiet. For this I'm going to take you to a journey. You just follow. It's like an image. We're in Brighton here, near the sea. There must be a lighthouse somewhere here. And we're going to go on the top of the lighthouse. It's just a symbol. As we move, as we walk slowly to the top of the lighthouse, it's like you take a distance from the world. You take a distance from your everyday life. You even take a distance from your own body. So now we are at the gate. We open the door of the lighthouse. And slowly we take the steps. Then we go up. Slowly. It goes around and around. And as we go up, we can feel the energy of our bodies going away. And we go up. And as we come to the top of the lighthouse, it seems our body is totally quiet. See, we have taken away the energy. Now we're on the top of the lighthouse in this in this room with all the glass around me. And I can see 360 degrees. I can see whatever, whatever I know. It's my country, it's my city. It's the place where I live, my friends are there. I can see everything from there. But I'm detached. Like in a movie, I'm watching. I don't feel any influence. So it's very... brings me lots of peace to watch. Basically, I watch my life. I look my surrounding and it doesn't affect me. That's what we call to be observer, a detached observer. But the lighthouse also gives light. So let's imagine. I switch on the light. And I can see the beam of light going very far. Right to to the horizon. And this beam of light is now moving slowly 
and is giving light all around to every single plate. So I'm aware. I'm aware that I'm producing this light. It's like I give I give energy. I give good wishes. I share my best, my best thoughts. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to give something so positive to these plates. And the beam of light is moving slowly. It's covering one place after one. So I give energy to my full city. I give energy to my friends. By the way, I give energy to myself. As I produce this light, as I produce this energy, it even develops more. slowly goes around. I feel very free. Nothing is affecting me. Because I feel detached. And I know my body is totally relaxed. And I feel peace. I feel to be the right place. I just feel good with myself. I don't need anything. Just happy to be here. I feel satisfied, even content, and that's the reason I like to give even more. I know more I give, more I receive. I never get empty when I give, it gives me energy back. That's what we call vibration. We create something. We create an atmosphere. We create something that everyone's enjoy. We all need that. We all need time to sit. in silence, to be in peace, to be connected to the Self. It's so simple, but we don't do it. 
cannot always use the excuse that I don't have time. It's a nice symbol to become a lighthouse. It's to share, share light, share power. It's like you give a nut. like you give a reference and everyone can tune in. It's the best way to bring unity. It's helping everyone to go down to his own frequency. Because we are all the time. Let's say overdrive. Out of our frequency. Because of that we are never satisfied. We are looking for comfort. The first comfort is to be in tune with the self. That's the first step of meditation. Now we can go down slowly, we take the same staircase, step by step, we go down slowly, and as we go down we can feel the energy coming back to the body, but everything in peace. Now we get to the ground, we are back in the middle of our, our plate, our city, but something has changed, it's not like before, because we can again go back to life but we have the experience. We have the experience that's possible to be involved and at the same time to be detached. It's possible to keep a distance. It's possible to be, be 
easy and not caught in too many influences. That's what we call to be more, to be master. Mass of the self, or self-sovereignty. To be aligned with the self, close to everybody, but still independent. What we can call spiritual freedom. <laughs> 